0: You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to
1: heritagesc.org. It's just in your sight and that you have purposes for us to fulfill. And those purposes, of course, Lord, are best fulfilled in health. So we just pray health and healing over those in your body that you love. And that you wish to heal. We just release your power right now. By faith. That you will do what is in your heart to do. Which is always good Lord God. And we thank you for that goodness. And your healing. In Jesus name. Amen. One more prayer.
0: <laughs> Lord. I just want to thank you this morning. Um, for the, the ministry of healing. That you've given to the church. That it's the children's bread. They—they they Actually, you said these signs will accompany those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And so Lord, we're trusting you for that right now, this morning. So in Jesus' name, we just speak to each of these infirmities, whether it be a back or a shoulder or a hip or migraines, whatever it is. In Jesus' name, sickness, leave right now. Yes. We just release healing. In Jesus' name. Now, um, as Josh begins to share something, I just want to ask you, test it out. Try and do something you couldn't do, because a lot of times that's when, you, when the healing manifests, like when you try and do something, like when Galar bent over. So test it out as Josh says something real quick. Um, as we were praying specifically, I felt like, is there anybody here that deals with like chronic migraines, like once a month or more than once a month, multiple times a month, chronic migraines? Anybody?
1: Oh, right here?
0: Chronic migraines? So I just wanted to pray for that. If you would just put your hand on your head. Um, Lord, we just pray against chronic migraines right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just break off that burden, that thing, that affliction. We just command it to go right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you for healing and for actually for the mind of Christ. The, The mind of Christ does not have chronic migraines. We
1: thank you, Jesus, and we speak healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Lord, and we just ask, Lord, that you would seal up what you're doing this morning. And Lord, we can't manufacture this, but this is your power and your love for us, and we just press into it and we thank you, Lord, that you are you love your people and you take care of us. And Lord, you're hurt too when you see us hurt. And Lord, I just ask that you would seal what you did this morning in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. As Mike walks back, isn't that a cool thing? (laughs) That is still cool. So for those of you who don't know, Mike almost died about three months ago, couldn't walk, was paralyzed, and he preached last week, and here he is walking without a cane today. Yeah. He was back in January, and... Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. No, I wasn't wasn't trying to get more gifts or anything. I have a point. (laughs) Sorry. Um... And you know, like everybody complains, I'm kind of hard a guy to shop for. Um, and my wife gave me this big package, so I opened it up, and it was this bin for to hold our pools out by. I mean, our ta- our towels out by our pool. And I was like, okay. And we had an old one. I was happy with it, and I was like, all right. I, I guess that's good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, if you ever give a gift like that to someone you love, you really want something and you're like, well, nobody's getting it for me, so I'll get it for them and I can kind of use it, you know, so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway, the, the, you know, it was good and we needed it and, and I built it and everything was great. However, it was, it was this huge bin, but it came in a box like this yeah. and it weighed a ton. And I'm like, I hate putting that kind of stuff together and doing that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have time. I mean, you need to like spend half a day, it seems like, doing that. So anyway, I had some time, and I went outside, and I was fixing it and doing it, and all of a sudden, towards the end, I realized that I had built it wrong, and the whole, all this time and all this frustration, and my hands aren't used to that, so they were blistered and hurting, and it was all kind of a waste of time. So I had to, like, take it all apart and redo it, and, you know, it was so frustrating. Um, And I was thinking, man, you know, it's it's a terrible thing. You're right, like, happy birthday. (laughs) Have you ever done, have you ever faced a similar situation in life where maybe it wasn't a bin, but it was something that you put a lot of work, a lot of energy, and all of a sudden you realize that something went wrong and it was all kind of a waste of time? You know, the easy ones is when it's a bin. You know, you can whine a little bit and then get over it. But there are some serious things in life where you're building and building and doing and gathering and and, and creating. And then all of a sudden, at some point, you realize, you know what? I'm doing it wrong. This isn't right. This isn't a correct foundation. And all the sacrifices that I did have been in vain. And you know what? It's... A terrible feeling when you, when you go through something like that. And in our Christian walk, there's a vital ingredient that we need now more than we've ever had, that if you build without it, you'll come to a point and you'll, think, you'll realize that all your effort, all your work, all your strife was for nothing without this important ingredient. And you know what? We want to be wise builders with our lives. And Paul, actually, Paul the Apostle in Scripture, he told us to be wise builders, to build well, because one day our work will be tested. And some of it will be We'll pass through the fire and we'll be good and others won't. It's actually talks in First Corinthians 3, starting in, in, in verse 10. There's five verses, so, so let's read it together. It says in verse 10, Paul is saying, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. And it says, But each one, all of us, should build build our lives with care. And then it says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So our foundation, like Mike talked about last week, is Jesus, and he's our rock, and he's the foundation of our life. So he's talking to believers, people who have laid their lives on the foundation of Jesus. And then he says in verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. The day, what he's talking about in verse 13, there is coming a day, and the day here is called the judgment seat of Christ, where the Lord will evaluate every believer's work, the quality of what they've done or what they haven't done. It's not a discipline thing, it's not a salvation thing, but the, the Bible talks about one day on that day, your life will be evaluated, and you'll see if there's rewards or no rewards. And a lot has to do with how you built your life. So it it goes on in verse 13, it says, because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So it's almost like God will have this big bonfire Your life will be in the fire, and everything that's gold, precious jewels, and silver will get more refined, and everything that's earthly, wood, hay, and straw, will just get burned up and evaporate. And then it says in verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one only escaping through the flames. My worst fear is one day I'm in heaven and I'm walking around and everybody's like, smells like smoke, what happened to you? And well, I just survived, everything got burned up, but I'm here. (laughs) You know, I don't want any of us to smell like smoke in heaven, if you know what I mean. But Paul is saying we should be wise builders of our life and Jesus is the foundation and we either build our lives with kingdom material or non-kingdom material. And gold, silver, or costly stones is this kingdom material. And wood, hay, and straw is non-kingdom material. And on that day, it will be tested. So just so you know, as as sure as this uh, podium is here, there will come a day which each one of us will have our life's works tested. And I want to have kingdom material that will survive and I'll receive a reward. So today, I want to focus on the main ingredient, one of the main ingredients that will give you kingdom material to build on in your life. Everything should, aside from Jesus, this is one of the main factors. If this was a cake, this would be flour. If it was a car, it would be the engine or the oil. If it was a body, it would be the blood in your veins. Like, without blood, you would die. So... Um, I want to pray, and then I'm going to tell you the most essential kingdom ingredient for all of us to take note of this morning. All right, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that you're here, that, Lord, even just how you're flowing through your body, and, and Lord, one is coming with an encouragement, one is with a word from you, one is a scripture, and now a message and a hymn later, and, and Lord, I just thank you that you're, you're working here. Lord, that you're healing us, that you're challenging us, and that you're receiving our worship. And Lord, as, we, as I minister what I felt you put on my heart, Lord, I ask that we would receive what you have. Lord, let us get ready today for the day of days when we stand before you and you evaluate our lives. Let us be wise builders. Use the most important ingredients, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So to sum it up, the most important ingredient for all believers is love. I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mervis had such an amazing message, and it was uh, simply, it's all about Jesus. And it was so simple, but yet profound. And I hope that this message is simple, but profound too, because it's all about love, loving each other well. And Paul has some strong words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that really talk about what love is, what it's not, and also, um, if you don't have love, what are the consequences? Now, actually, I preached a very similar message in January, and it was good, but I really felt led to sort of not, re- I mean, I'm going to kind of re-preach it a little bit, um, but it's a truth that we really need to get as Christians, We really, really do. We need to get good at loving each other. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I want to be a church where people come and get saved, people get transformed, the sick get healed, people get inspired, and and people hear amazing messages, and we raise up young leaders, and we plant churches. I mean, there's all kinds of dreams that we have that we want to do. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is we're known as a church that loves each other well. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right. (laughs) So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is Paul. And Paul says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries... And all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people think this, is a, this, this scripture, passage of scripture, is limited to, to weddings or Hallmark cards, but you know what? It's not. <laughs> Paul was talking to the, the church of Corinth, and they were having issues, and they had all the stuff, but they were lacking in love. And Paul is saying, at the end of your life, when you stand before Jesus on that day, it doesn't matter what you did. If you didn't love, he says, you are nothing, and you will gain nothing. And I wonder at that point, if you find yourself in that situation, you'll say, But Jesus, did you ever hear all the prophetic words I gave? People were encouraged, edified, you know, uplifted. And, and so many people felt the call to ministry because I gave them a prophetic word. And Paul says, If you don't have love, you're nothing. But Jesus, I spoke in tongues constantly, and some people even heard their own mother tongue as I was speaking in tongue and got saved. Anybody ever hear one of those wild stories? I remember the church I grew up in, there was a story of of this lady who stood up in the service and gave a, a, a tongue, a message in tongues, which the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and, you know, she didn't know what she was doing. And then someone else came up and gave an interpretation. And then later on in the service, this Apache Indian who spoke Apache came up and started speaking to this first lady in full Apache because the, 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 the tongue was actually in full Apache and it was proclaiming the glories of God. So, but Jesus, I gave a word and it was Apache and that guy got saved and that guy ended up becoming a pastor and reaching the Apache nation. And Lord, look at all that. But Paul says, if you don't have love, you gain nothing. But Jesus, I studied theology every day for five, five hours, and I gave up my sleep. I could teach the Bible better than anyone. People would actually weep when I taught because the Bible, the word of God, came along. If you don't have love, it's nothing. But Jesus, I had the same faith as Abraham, Shadrach, and Amish, Abraham, and also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. And the gift of faith helped thousands of people and built hundreds of churches. But without love, it's nothing. But Jesus, I lived a life of poverty. I had nothing. I gave it all away at an early age, and I lived that way for the rest of my life. Without love, it doesn't mean anything. And then maybe, maybe someone comes and says, but Jesus, I'm right here before you right now because a couple minutes ago, I was burning at the stake and here I am. Actually, I gave my life for you. I was a martyr. I got burned at the stake. Without love, it's nothing. I gain nothing. Nothing. But Jesus, what's your but Jesus? So often we get in this performance mode. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You have to love me, you have to accept me, you have to build my reward. But if you don't have the essential ingredient, it's wood, hay, and straw. Paul says, if you don't have love, it's just noisy gong, clanging cymbal, you are nothing, you gain nothing. A loveless prophet, a loveless scholar, a loveless teacher, a loveless person of faith, a loveless person with no possession, a loveless martyr will gain nothing without love. Any of us will gain nothing without love. And the difference between the kingdom values, wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and costly stones is love. So like so many so I'm going to ask a questions that hundreds of songs have tried to answer, what is love? <laughs> a couple come to mind, what is love? <laughs> Sorry. But Paul gives a specific definition of what love is and what it isn't. And the language of love is clearly spelled out further on in 1 Corinthians 13. So so Paul calls it a more excellent way, and he was correcting the church at Corinth because they were being torn apart by loveless behavior. So here we go. Starting in verse 4, Paul says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Exactly. So Paul lists 15 positive and negative descriptions of love. Here's a nice little chart. If you guys want to take a picture of it, I would recommend it. Go back. So it says love is patient, and kind. Love is not envious, boastful, arrogant, rude, selfish, easily angered, resentful, joyful over wrongdoing. And then it says, love rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And these 15 qualities are actually a beautiful summary of the character and nature of Jesus himself. And so I want to look at these quickly, each one of these 15 attributes. And we'll start in verse 4. Everybody got that? All right. Verse 4, it says, love is patient. Have you ever worked or met someone who is really patient with you? Ted, right. (laughs) You know, you ever met someone who's patient? They're fun to work with. You know, and it's so empowering when people are patient with you. But on the other hand, it's very disheartening when someone is not patient with you. You ever work with someone who's impatient? It makes you uptight, it gets nervous, you make a mistake, and then you make more mistakes. And for me, it's so life-giving when someone loves me with patience. They see my faults, they know my background and hang-ups, but yet they're patient with me and walk life with me at my own pace. It's almost as if when someone is patient with you, they believe in you. Have you ever tried to walk? I have a difficult time walking with people who's, who walk slow. Like, I don't know, for some reason, I'm one of those guys, like, if I see a line and I see a bunch of people, I will walk as fast as I can because I just don't want to have people in front of me. So I, I try to go there, and, and my wife hates it. She likes to walk slow, and she's like, we're going to have to wait. And I'm like, no, and, yeah, and, you know, I, I just get so, and then when people walk slow with me, I just get Impatient. But I was thinking, I remember when my kids were little, you know, and they have the little tiny feet and legs, and we're walking, and they're so slow, and then they look, and they want, and then they bend down, and, you know, and it's like, but it didn't bother me at all because I love my kids, and I was patient with them. Imagine, you know what, one of the worst things you can do as a parent is to be impatient with them. How, how much damage has been done over the years with impatient parents? You know, they're just kids. They're learning. And, you know, we, we say we are experience the presence of God and the power of family and part of being a part of the family. Speaking of family, it's my mom's cell phone. Um, <laughs> um, anywho. Um, so, love is patient, right? Love is patient. There we go. Getting tested. All right. But with my kids, I will walk as slow as they need me to walk for as long as they need me to walk because I love them. And if I would try to get them to come at my pace, I would be pulling them, dragging them, and it would be really damaging for them. Love walks with people at their own pace because love is patient. We need to be patient with each other because that's what love does. And then Paul adds another aspect of love and says, love is kind. Love is kind. Can you say kind? It's a beautiful word. Isn't that what we love about God? He's so kind to us. He's so kind. Doesn't give us what he wants. When you have those moments with God where your heart connects with him, you're lost in his presence. You just overcome by the kindness of God. He's so good. And acts of kindness impact people, uh, people in big waves and capture their attention. If you're a kind person, people are going to take notice. And they're like, what's different about them? You know, in examples like a card sent to someone who's sick, a concerned phone call, a thoughtful gesture, a visit, speaking, someone, speaking to someone face-to-face and talking to them behind their back. It's said that kindness is love in work clothes. And the way of kindness... Is the more excellent way because love is kind. And then Paul gives a list of eight things that love is not. First, he says, Love does not envy. Love does not envy. And that's envy, is at the top of Paul's list. And envy or jealousy is actually a terrible vice that's wrecked many homes, relationships. And actually split many churches. Many churches split because someone didn't get what they wanted. And they got a contingency of people. And they were envious of what was going on. Or who got something. You know, maybe someone wanted to come up and sing. And they didn't get that. Love does not envy. You know, envy covets others' gifts, possessions, or positions of influence. And envy is suspicious and critical of other people and envy is totally incompatible with love and then it says love does not boast you ever sit down with someone you spend an hour with them and maybe you talk for like two minutes and the rest of the time is they're talking and talking about themselves and me and I and mine and boasting and well look that's not love that's annoying (laughs) and Boasting or bragging is really a a sinful preoccupation with yourself. Braggarts, they crave attention. They want other people to praise their abilities, their knowledge, their success. And the root of it is actually built from an insecurity. And as believers who are fully in love with Jesus and the love of God is fully flowing through them, we are dead to ourselves. We shouldn't brag about ourselves because we're dead. We're alive in Christ. And love doesn't push itself forward and shy away from speaking of itself. And Paul goes on and he says, love is not arrogant. And an arrogant spirit was the problem at the church in Corinth at the time and led to many problems in the church. Some people who had amazing gifts were like, you know what, hey, look at me, and I'm doing this, and I need the attention, and other people were saying, no, I do. There was this arrogant spirit. But arrogance is contrary to love because it focuses on yourself more than other people. And arrogant people, especially religious arrogant people, they think they're better than other people. They actually think they know more than they do. They consider themselves holier than others. Because they have been around longer, they have more rights than you do. They imagine themselves more gifted than they really are. So, and love does not have a superiority complex. Remember Jesus, the two character qualities that he called himself he said, I'm lowly and meek. The Son of God. He had every right to come up and say, Guys, I know what I'm doing. Guys, this, you know, I'm the man because he was the man, (laughs) but he was lowly and meek. He was not arrogance. The nature of love is the opposite of arrogance. Love thinks humbly and modestly about oneself. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.